You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. Upside Down series. We're on our second to last week. We'll finish next week with the series. For those who are here for the first time, welcome. For those who are tuning in online, for those who are listening to the podcast and you've kind of jumped in in the middle of this series, we just want to highlight, just like teaching in a class, we want to go back over. We're building foundation on uh, what we've been doing. We started this series with talking about Acts chapter 17, where we're challenging people to be world changers. We're challenging people to change their world around them, and they're not going to be able to change your world with what the world is teaching us. What the world is teaching us is not helping humanity, but what will help us, what will change our world, what we can use to change other people's world, is using the upside-down teachings of Jesus Christ. We see in Acts chapter 17 that Paul goes to the synagogue to preach, and all he does is walk into a church in a city, and preach the gospel of Christ, that Christ died for your sins. In the beginning of Acts chapter 17, he was buried in a tomb. He rose again the third day. And all of a sudden, these Jewish people started causing a riot, started causing a scene, and they dragged some of Paul's friends who were housing him in. In verse 6, it says that Jason went there and was dragged there, and the people outside in the world were claiming that Paul was turning the world upside down. And we've seen by reading Acts chapter 17 that Paul did not come with sword and shield and an army. He did not come with money. He did not try and change the world politically. He did not try and uh, start a startup group on social media. He did none of that. He just walked into a church and he preached the teachings of Jesus. And the world says, whoa, 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 it's changing our world. It's turning things upside down, which challenged me and encouraged me. Then there's things that Jesus has preached that we can read that are contradictory to what's out in the world that can change my world and change my surrounding world. First week we talked about being a servant. I am a servant. Second week we talked about being a giver. I am a giver. The third week we talked about I actually can't remember where we, I know we just did a child. Somebody can help me? Hey, look at that. We got gold stars for those. I am a lover. Hate your enemies is what the world tells us. I am a lover. I love my enemies is what Jesus taught us. Then we talked about last week, I am a child. And Jesus says, if you're going to understand the kingdom of God, you have to be like a child. How we talked about the importance of being a child, of going crawling into your father's lap and talking with him. Understanding that you are no longer a slave, but you are a child. You once were a foreigner, you once were an enemy of God, but now you are a child. And you can call him Abba Father, a name that was not allowed or even existed, that God even mentioned Until Jesus showed up, until the Apostle Paul showed up, and God then now reveals himself, not only to the Jewish people, but to the Gentile people, as Abba, Father. You would think he would have introduced himself to the Jewish people as Abba, Father, and then to the Gentiles as Stepfather, or maybe just as God. But he says, no, 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 I'm bringing you into this family with the new covenant, therefore, you can call me Abba, Father. 
Today we're going to talk about I am a believer. I am a believer. You see, the world's point of view is you are encouraged to believe only what you can see. You know if you are rich or poor based on what you see in your bank account. I can go to the bank, ask them to take out all my money, and I can see very quickly if I have wealth or if I don't. We know what our possessions are because we see them. I have a house. I know it's my house because I can see that house. We are encouraged to only believe what we can see in life. I know that my family exists and they're not dead because I can put my hands on them. I see them. I touch them. In the scientific world, we have something called the scientific method. Going back to my eighth grade teaching days from a couple years back, the scientific method, for those who have forgot, is a method of procedure that has characterized natural science since the 17th century, consisting in systematic observation, measurements, and experiments in the formulation, testing, and modification of a hypothesis. Now, depending on where you go, there's anywhere from five, six, to ten different steps of the scientific method. I brought it down to eight, kind of right in the middle. The number one way to start the scientific method is to observe, which means you have to see it first. So in the very beginning steps of science on this earth, we first have to observe something, make an observation. That Newton is sitting under a tree and he observes an apple fall. Wait a second, I didn't touch it. Did the tree hate it? Did the tree not want that apple? Was it a bad apple? What caused it to fall and hit the ground? The second step is question. You have to ask a question or identify a problem. Number three is research. Search for an existing answer or solution. Back then, Isaac Newton, he didn't have Google. Now we have Google and you start typing a question and whatever magic genie is in my computer and on Google instantly answers whatever I'm already typing. Number four is hypothesize. Formulate a hypothesis of what you think will or will not happen. Number five is experiment. Design and perform an experiment. Number six is to test that hypothesis. After the experiment, we need to test it. Are we going to accept it now? Or are we going to reject it? Number seven is to draw a conclusion. And number eight is to report. You go and tell people what you observed, what you were guessing, what you researched, what you experimented. And I'm assuming you would only do that if your hypothesis is correct. You don't really want to go tell people how wrong you were. There were some old beliefs back in the day, one called spontaneous generation. The supposed production of living organisms from nothing or non-living matter. And many, many, many moons ago, scientists and people believed that if you put 
moldy cheese in a corner underneath a blanket that when you lift it back up, that that cheese would turn into mice. Non-living thing would turn into... If you had a rotten piece of meat, you put it out in, let it sit in the sun, that flies would magically appear from that rotten piece of meat. Because people were observing what they see, and I see this piece of meat, they didn't see the bugs or maggots or eggs that were growing on it. They said, I see the piece of meat, and now I see flies, so A plus B equals C. And in science, we learn to look and use our eyes on what we see is what we believe. There was a crazy idea back in the day called bloodletting. That when people got sick, then it must mean you have bad blood. So we just got to drain all the blood out of you, get you all better. Supposedly is how our first president died, George Washington. Got a little cough, got a cold, got a flu. Maybe got COVID way back then. Who knows? And they decided, well, we just got to get all that blood out of you, and you will feel perky in the morning. Didn't work. Sorry, Mr. President. But we've learned that that's not the way to go. There's this crazy idea that I think is straight from hell that says most food is edible after the expiration date. Absolutely not. That is, as soon as that milk hits that date, I believe spontaneous generation happens and it turns sour and clumpy, we got to get rid of it. Every once in a while, I have to go deep dive into our fridge or into our spice cabinet. I found a couple things in the deep part, crevices of our spice cabinet a couple cans of Tony Sasseries. And I thought, praise God, look at, look at the cabinet multiplying my need and desire of Louisiana spices until I picked it up, turned it upside down, and it said August 2019. And I said, get thee behind me, Satan. You're not going to get me with that. There are people out there, and I'm one of them, that as soon as I see that date, and it has gone past, I believe that that food is rotten to the core, and we've got to throw it away. And my wife has the idea of, eh, it'll be all right, we could eat, we could eat it. The world's point of view is, only believe it is if you can see it. Jesus shows up on the scene and starts saying some crazy upside-down things. And what he says is to believe even if you don't see. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Verse 23 does not start with a but. Verse 23 does not start with a maybe. Verse 23 does not start with a just joking. Jesus throws this statement out there and expects you and me and the disciples and everyone else who reads it to deal with it. Have faith in 
God, but I don't see God. Sometimes I don't feel God. I definitely don't smell Him. I would love to hear Him. Definitely can't touch Him. So what do you mean, have faith in God? And then Jesus doubles down. For assuredly, not backing down, not trying to hide and say, well, maybe, maybe God, if He's busy, he, he might not show up. No, no, no. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, now why don't the disciples stop Him right there? Whoa, whoa, whoa. God, let's, uh, Jesus, just let's not say mountain. Let's, let's do something smaller, smaller scale. Um, what about a cat? What about, you know, nobody likes cats. Those are, those are from hell, right? Am I right? Let's, let's talk about a cat and cast that into the sea. Let's, let's talk about just a rock. Let's not even talk about the big mountain. Let's just talk about a tiny rock. Let's not go crazy. No, no, no. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to that mountain, be removed and be cast into sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. All right, God, you're saying a lot right here, Jesus. You're really, really got a lot that I'm trying to cover in two scriptures. Let's go to verse 24. He triples down. He says, okay, have faith in God. Okay, I can, let, me, let me think about that. If you want to say something to the mountain and cast it into the sea, more than likely Jesus is standing outside having a conversation. There is a mountain in the distance. There is a sea nearby. He is not just thinking something up. He is probably literally pointing to a mountain and pointing to the sea and saying, if you want to cast that mountain into that sea, disciples, and you don't doubt in your heart, you can do it. Okay, all right, I'm I'm listening. And then Jesus triples down. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Jesus, do you want to put an asterisk by there? Do you you want to just try and cover yourself and cover God? Jesus said there's already a scripture that says, that God is not a man that he should lie. If he said it, he's going to do it. Believe even if you do not see. Let's look at John chapter 20, verse 29. Jesus has risen from the dead. His disciples are cowering fear. They're hiding. They've got the doors locked. Jesus shows up. Hey guys. Disciples, see him. Everybody but Thomas. Thomas says, I've got to put my hands in the scars and I've got to touch his side where the sword went in and the spear went in and then I'll believe. And you know what happens? Jesus shows up. And we put this thing on Thomas as he was doubting. Yes, he was. But could it also be construed that he made a statement of faith that I'm going to put my hands in his scars. And then Jesus shows up and responds to what Thomas asked for and what Thomas said. He says, here you go, Thomas. You said you wanted to see me. You asked, here I am. Put your hands here. Put your hands here. And then he makes this statement to Thomas when he says, my God, my Lord, I believe. 
Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That it's more better to not see than to see. That there is a blessing attached. Jesus himself said there is a blessing attached when you step out in faith and believe even though you haven't seen. That whatever you're believing for, you haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen the manifestation of the word show up in your life. And God says you are more blessed when you believe that God's going to do something even though nothing has changed in the natural. Even though everything in the natural says over and over again, you're wrong, it's not going to work, the doctor said this, the bank account says that, the spouse says this. It says you're more blessed to stand on the word of God and believe that I am a believer. Paul is writing to the Gentile church in Corinthians. And he's echoing what Jesus has spoken to his disciples in the gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith. So that means if you read in the scriptures and you read what Paul did, if you read what Peter did, if you read what Jesus did, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and you see the hall of fame, the great people of faith, and you think, well, that was just for them. That was for that time, that time period. Miracle signs and wonders, all that stuff has gone by the wayside. Paul stands up here and says, since we have the same spirit of faith, we all have access to the same amount of faith that these mighty men had as well. They believed and they saw their world change, which means you can have that same spirit of faith in your life and you can see miracles, signs, and wonders happen. According to what is written, now listen, Paul is quoting a scripture from Psalms, I believe and therefore I speak. We also believe and therefore we speak. Verse 14 knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. I believe, and therefore I speak. I believe, and therefore I speak. Let's go one chapter over in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Very small scripture, but we've heard it before. We'll hear it again. No if, ands, or buts, for we walk by faith, not by sight. No matter how good or bad we are seeing with our physical eyes, we walk by faith. I've come to the point in my life where I put my whole heart truth in the Word of God, and everything else in the world is a lie. Everything else in the world is a lie, but that's the truth. So when I come against or I have something happen to me out there in the world, in my family, in my physical body, in my work, in my church, in whatever circumstance of life happens, I immediately go to the Word 
and see if it contradicts it. Because I walk by faith. I walk by the Word of God and what He says about me. What He says about my family. What He says about my body. What He says about my future. Not by sight. For we walk by faith and not by sight. As we finish, I want to encourage you on how you can become a believer. Some steps in your life, some practical steps that you can do to become a believer. I am a believer. Say that with me. One, two, three. I am a believer. Number one, check your heart. Number one, check your heart. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. That makes sense. Farming community we have here. I plant corn, cotton, watermelon. If I plant that, I should get that back. I shouldn't get back a steak. shouldn't get back a car. shouldn't get back rotten fruit. If I put in good seed, should get good fruit, good product. And an evil man, out of the evil treasures of his heart, brings forth evil. Makes sense. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. Now we know it says in the scriptures that the heart is deceitful in all of its ways. Until we become saved. Until we step over into being a new creation. For I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives through me. That I am a new creation. My heart can change. That out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So if you want to check your heart, you want to find out your faith level, this is step one of the faith cycle to find out if you're a believer or not. Start listening to what you say. Because whatever you put in you're going to vomit out, whether good or bad. If you have children, you know that. Whatever you say in private in the household, little boy, little girl, brother, sister, son, daughter, they're going to say it at the most inopportune time in front of people. Maybe this is indicative of us as parents, but the other day, Maddie and... Our son, they went on a walk to our in-law's house, to their grandparents' house. They live about a mile away. And my son came into the house and asked Paul for water and asked Paul for a sandwich and cookies and everything that he was because he was hungry. He said, wow, you sure are, Paul said, wow, you sure are a needy little child. Are you sure you need water? And my son says, well, it's hot as hell outside. Yeah, I need water. I thought, well, that's definitely his mother. That's not. I don't know where. But whatever's in the heart is just going just gonna to come out. We laugh, and that's funny, but take a second this week and listen to what's coming out of your mouth. Listen to what's coming out, because that's going to tell you immediately, do I trust God or do I trust the world? Do I trust God or am I trusting the news source? Do I trust God or am I trusting what my family's saying? You got to check your heart. 
And sometimes you're not going to like what comes out. But the good news is we can change that. Number two to becoming a believer is check your mouth. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Check your mouth. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the bank account, in the power of the power suit, in the power of the political position, the president, the army, the amount of weapons you have, in your muscles, in your brain, and how smart you can be, and how many degrees you can get. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. And it says that those who love it are going to eat its fruit. Whether you love it or not, you're going to eat whatever you're spitting out. If you want to be a believer, if you want to have faith in God, it says we believe and therefore we speak. So you'll find out very quickly what you believe and what you speak. You'll find out what's in your heart, what's in your gut when you start talking. And when you find out that you don't like what you're saying, there's only death and there's only life. That's the only thing that's coming out of your tongue. You got to check your mouth. Well, I never get. Well, it always happens to me. Well, my family had it, so I guess I'll have it too. The next time you talk to somebody in your family and you're sharing what's going on in your life and they're sharing, you'll find out very quickly. And also, listening to this verse and knowing this verse, you'll find out very quickly where somebody else is standing, which gives you the opportunity to encourage and build them up. It's very easy to use this scripture and apply it as we're interacting with people out in the world. A lot of negativity out in the world. A lot of death being spoken out in the world. And I pray to God that there's not death being spoken inside the church. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Check your tongue. The last step to being a believer is check your ears. Romans 10, 17. Check your ears. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by going to church... Faith comes by giving. Faith comes by wearing Christian t-shirts, WWJD bands. Faith comes by hearing. And luckily, this scripture gives us the answer. It doesn't just leave a cliffhanger. Well, what am I supposed to hear? I don't know what to do. It makes it very obvious. And hearing by the word of God. Oh, okay. Hearing by the word of God, what are you listening to? And the person that you're listening to the most is yourself. Your ears are listening to what you're saying. And your ears are listening so that your faith level in your heart can rise one way or the other. Because I can put my faith in God but I can also put my faith in the world. I can put my faith in my job. I can put my faith in my relationship. And all those things are not going to sustain me when the storms come. This is called the faith cycle. These three scriptures right here. You check your heart. 
What am I believing? Do I trust God in this situation or not? I'm going to check my heart by checking my mouth. Oh no, I'm talking negative. I'm talking death. I need to change it and talk to life. Well, how do I do that? Oh, well, it comes by hearing. What should I be hearing? The Word of God. So I need to be reading and reading out loud the Word of God. I need to listen to preachers, podcasts, worship music. I need to change my tone. I need to change my speech so that my ears can hear what I'm going to start believing, which then gets inside your heart. And as your heart starts to change, Romans chapter 12, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, getting that word in, word in, word in, word in. Your heart starts changing. When your heart starts changing, your talk starts changing. Your talk starts changing, your ears start hearing your faith starts rising. Miracles start happening. Signs and wonders start happening. God starts moving. You have some? No? Okay. All right. I will bring, I will bring you up in a second. I'm finishing up now. Can you, can you come? <laughs> she can't tell me no. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, never mind. The faith cycle. We can apply the scientific method to the faith cycle and you becoming a believer. You need to make an observation in your life. Are you believing? What are you believing? Who are you believing? As we ask that question or as we identify a problem, I need to make an observation in regards to what I stand with God. I need to ask questions. Do I believe the Word of God? Do I believe who God is? Number three is research. Search for existing answers or solutions. Guess what, guys? We've got a book full of research when it comes to identifying what you believe. And then it's time to experiment. We experiment doing the faith cycle. Check your heart, check your mouth, check your ears. As you change all three of those, you will see a change in your life. Number six is test the hypothesis. You're either going to accept it or reject it. Number seven, draw a conclusion. Yes, I believe and therefore I speak and therefore I saw. And then number eight, I love it, report and share your results. That when you go on this faith journey in your life and you start believing for things that are outside the realm of possibility, when you start looking past your physical eyes, that I believe in a God that I can't see who sent a son years and years and years and years ago that died on a cross for me and that by one man's death on a cross... He knew that Jeremiah Paul Ann was going to show up in 1986 and be a, a vile sinner. But he already took care of my sins on the cross. And all I had to do was check in with my reservation with heaven and say, I believe what he did for me back then. Therefore, my sins are forever forgiven. And he remembers my sins no more. I still remember them. 
I can still see them. I still commit them. But it says he chooses to forgive my sins. He chooses to forget. He chooses to take my sins as far as the east is from the west. And I have no physical, tangible evidence of that. I didn't get a certificate in the mail from heaven saying congratulations, you made it. Here's a certificate saying all your sins are forgiven. And one day, I'm believing that He's going to return in the sky and take us all to heaven. But if that doesn't happen, and I find myself on my deathbed, there's complete peace when I close my eyes. Because it says to be absent from the body is to be present with my Lord. That there's no fear in death. There's no fear in death. The end of life. The rest of the world is trying to figure out what happens on the other side. I know what happens on the other side. And I have not seen it. All I have is the word to depend on and believe that to be absent from the body, I'm going to open my eyes and there's going to be my risen Savior with all of His wounds that He paid the price for with His arms wide open and He's going to grab us and He's going to hug each and every one of us and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your place of rest. And I'm going to see family members who have gone on before me. I'm going to see these men and women of the faith. I'm going to see these people who have passed away that have served God so fervently before me. And I've got no physical way to show somebody that. But it's in my heart. And it's coming out my mouth. And it's going back into my ears. And over and over and over again, I'm reminding myself of what He's going to do for us. You are a believer. Apply that faith. Experiment. Just experiment with that faith cycle and watch something change in your life. And when it changes, you go out and report and you tell your world what happened. Come up here. Share with us.
Let's stand up today as we get ready to depart. Before we pray, let's put up the our faith declarations, what we've been saying this entire sermon series. And the reason we've been saying this, because it needs to get in your heart. It needs to come out of your mouth, not my mouth. It's coming out of my mouth for me. It needs to come out of your mouth for you so that your ears can hear it. That you might not in this moment be any of those things. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the more you hear it, the more you declare it, the more it gets inside of you. And the more when you come against something, what comes out of your mouth is greater is he that's in me than anything that comes against me in this world. God is on my side. I choose not to fear. What can any man do to me? Let's say it together. Starting on the left side. One, two, three. I am a world changer. I will change my world. I am a servant. I am a giver. I am a lover. I am a child. I am a believer. I am a receiver. I will change my world. I am a world changer. The last one we're going to go over is I am a receiver. The world teaches us about karma. You get what you deserve. But tomorrow, next Sunday, we're going to find out that in Jesus's upside down teaching, you do not get what you deserve. You get what Jesus deserves. When he died on that cross, he took on all of your pain, all of your punishment, and all of your sin. So therefore, you could walk boldly into his throne room and be called his son and daughter. Karma is not a Christian teaching because you do not get what you deserve. You only get what Jesus deserves. And we'll talk about that next week. Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for your word. I am a believer. I believe everything that you said. I believe everything that you've done. Because I know you'll do it again. If you did it once, you'll do it again. If you said it once to one human, then I receive it by faith today. Help us as we go on this faith journey. As we take this faith cycle out into our world. So that we can become world changers. Father, heal your people. Father, bless your people. Father, protect your people. I thank you that you are removing the spirit of error out of their lives and out of their ears, and you're putting the spirit of truth in their ears, and that their faith levels are growing. Father, use us this week to go out and report the goodness of God everywhere we go and bring us back safely. Next Sunday, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you, and we will see you next Sunday. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.